Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. There you go. You've just heard it. This is Fresh Thinking. You are with Rabbi Shishla. We're together. We're conversing. We're sharing ideas, bouncing things off each other. And as at this time of the year, I think everybody's a little bit nervous, not only because of what's going on globally, but because it's this time of the year. You look at the calendar and you know that next week is Rosh Chodesh. We go into the month of Av. Everybody will tell you that this is a time of sadness of Jewish national mourning. So it, it's a time where I think it's appropriate to speak a little bit about things that are difficult in life, things that are painful and things that seem to go wrong. How do you handle that? What do you do when things seem to go wrong? The truth is that I think very often you've probably had this experience. I know that I certainly have had this experience, but I'm pretty sure that everybody has at some point felt or been on the other end of, or, or maybe on the so-called right end of, somebody who tells you when you're having a rough time, everything is going to be okay. And I'd like to know, how does it make you feel? When somebody says that, how does that make you feel? You can share your text messages via SMS on 34519 or on Telegram 0618951019. You can comment on social media live on Facebook as well as on the Chai FM Facebook page or on Twitter at Chai FM or at Rabbi Shish. How do you feel when somebody says, everything's going to be... This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So it's something which I think will speak to different people in different ways, right? Let's say that a person, God forbid, is going through a difficult time. And a difficult time could mean anything. It could be financially, it could be family-wise, it could be health-wise. It could be that you're just struggling with a dilemma. I mean, the, the, the range is very broad of what would be considered going through a difficult time. So the question is, so when you go through a difficult time, there are those people who come into our lives, they mean well, they have good intentions, and they'll sometimes tell us just exactly what it is that we need to hear, and other times they'll tell us things that really just get our backs up. So just by way of introduction, and perhaps the other angles that we could look at this, when a person says to you, don't worry, everything will be fine, well, what does it make you think? What's the first reaction that you have, which might very well be an emotional reaction? <clears throat> what is the first reaction that you have when you hear that kind of thing? Here's a an unsigned text message, but it's from somebody who I know, I think, judging by the number, says, uh, I'd like to ask them how they know. When somebody tells you everything's going to be fine, so the reaction is, how do you know? On what basis can you tell me that? Do you have some kind of insider information? And I think perhaps what lies beneath the surface of that kind of a comment how do you know is a person effectively saying, I, I don't know if you're being really sensitive to me right now. I know that you want to make things feel better, and I know that you want me to feel that I, I can be assured, I can be comforted, but how do you know? There you go. So I think, yeah, Jody's just said the same thing. How do you know? How do you know? Who are you? Do you have a crystal ball? It's interesting. Last week, you'll remember on this show, we did the conclusion of the annual cycle of study of the Rambam, of the Mishnah Torah, the 14 volumes of the Rambam's Code of Jewish Law. And so now we've just restarted the cycle again. And today's portion talks about prophecy, the guidelines. How do you know who's a prophet? 
how do you know who you could trust? So yes, if somebody does in fact fit the bill and they qualify as a prophet because they're a great scholar and a pious person, spiritual individual, somebody who has predicted the future and has 100% hit rate, if that person comes up to you and says, everything's going to be fine, okay, that's reassuring because I know who I'm dealing with. But there are many well-intentioned people out there and they say this to us, everything's going to be okay, but we can't help but wonder, you do you even begin to understand what I'm going through? Are you just being dismissive now? You say, don't worry, it's going to be okay. Don't tell me not to worry. Hear me out. Who would resonate with that? Who would resonate with that kind of a, a, a response which says, I don't, I don't want you to tell me things. I don't want you to make predictions. I actually just want you to hear me. I'd like you to just be there for me, to empathize. Who would resonate with that? I'd like to know if you feel that that, that might be your knee-jerk reaction is to say, don't start lecturing to me and don't start making predictions that you cannot underwrite. You cannot guarantee those things. So don't tell me everything's going to be okay. You know that expression, and it's a bit cliched, and people use it. And you can use it flippantly, or you could use it in a meaningful way, I suppose. And people say, it will all be all right in the end. If it's not all right, it's not the end. You know what I was thinking, actually? Just the other day, somebody asked me for a, a title for a shiur on, on a similar kind of topic. And as we were discussing it, I thought, you know what the shiur should be called? You know what the talk should be called? It should be called, everything is for the best until it happens to you. It's all very nice on paper and in a book. And maybe you go listen to some motivational speaker or you read something that's poetic. It's all very nice. It's all very nice. But when it actually happens, when it actually hits home, not so simple to use these glib phrases like everything will be good and everything's going to be okay. It's not so simple. How can you reassure me? Maybe you're just completely out of touch. Maybe you're in such a hurry to make me feel better that ironically, you're not making me feel better <laughs> because you're so concerned that you should say, so to speak, the right things that you're not actually pausing to hear what I'm going through. Interesting, here somebody else has just uh, texted and it says it actually makes them feel better. So that's great. I wonder if it has to do with who's saying it. I wonder if it makes a difference. Who is the person telling you that everything's going to be okay? So let's say a parent who speaks to a child who's just hurt themselves or a child who's afraid of something, and the parent says, it's going to be okay. Don't worry, it's going to be okay. That could actually be quite reassuring. I, I can hear that. I can relate to that. I can, can understand that. I think by the time you hit our stage and age, where you're a little bit more jaded, and you've seen many times that it doesn't actually work out, and all these promises and reassurances that people give you don't necessarily actually come to fruition, then it becomes more difficult to accept that just because somebody says it's all going to be okay, even if that person is an expert, by the way, so even if it's your doctor or your therapist or your lawyer who says to you, don't worry, everything's going to be fine, that doesn't necessarily make the anxiety go away. It doesn't make the frustration, the insecurity go away. So I think that's the advantage that children have. Children are more accepting of that kind of a promise everything will be okay. And they say, all right, you know, you're the adult. You probably know better than me and you probably have more life experience than I have. So I'll take your word for it. And that could be reassuring. Here's quite a powerful response. 
um, Ariella says here on Facebook, that when somebody says everything is going to be okay, that makes her feel ignored. How's that? I think that's, I think it's true. I think it's honest. And it's probably true for many people, by the way, is that if somebody just says, ah, it's all going to be okay. Or when they say, don't worry, tell me if you ever feel that that phrase, don't worry, is like sticking a knife into a wound. I mean, don't worry. Do you understand what's going on? Do you understand how I'm up? totally caught up in this situation? Do you understand that I don't see how I'm going to get my way clear? What do you mean, don't worry? How can you say such a thing? So there you have uh, Ariella saying, it feels like I'm being ignored. Uh, Nick says, it sounds like they know, which is what I said right at the beginning, right? When a person tells you everything's going to be okay, how do you know? How do you know? Who gave you authority to make that statement? Uh, he has Judy on Facebook who says, trust is a big thing. And I agree with that. And I think that that's part of what we're going to speak about today is the concept of trust. But when you say trust is a big thing, does that mean that trust is a big thing to achieve? In other words, it's a great ideal. Or does it mean trust is a big thing? In other words, you have to have real credibility before I'll trust you because it's a big thing. To be able to trust somebody takes a lot. It means that you're you're willing to actually take some serious risk if you're putting your trust in somebody else's assurances or in the assurances that you've read in a book or in the faith that you have. So trust is a big thing. I think that's true. Does that mean I should trust everybody? And again, I'm not I'm not denying their good intentions. They may very well have good intentions. Does that automatically mean that I should trust them? On what basis should I trust them? How do I know that it's fair to say that everything's going to be good? And especially, again, I go back to that cliche. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Okay, very nice. Uh, I'm not quite convinced (laughs) that it actually works that way. Some people will tell you that it's difficult all the way till the very, very end of it, till the very so-called last minute. So, not sure if that actually works as a as a means of determining. Uh, here, Hasidic Rambler on Twitter says it depends on the intonation. You can usually tell if it's dismissive, as in I don't really care, everything will be okay, or is it you've got this, you'll get through it, I'm here to help just be positive and everything will be okay. And I think he makes a really good point that you've got to listen to the tone, you've got to listen to the inflection of how a person says it will be okay. Does it sound, you can hear it in the voice. I think it's a brilliant point. Does it sound like they're really there for you? They really believe in you? Or is it like, don't worry, don't worry, get out of my hair. Um, I really hope that everything comes right soon so you don't bother me too much. Love to hear your thoughts and some really interesting comments coming through. And there are a number of others that I haven't yet read. If you've got something to share with us, you've got a view on this, send a text via 34519 or on Telegram 0618951019. That's plus 27 if you're from outside of the South African borders. Otherwise, we're on Twitter, at FM and at Rabashish. We're live on Facebook, on my Facebook feed. And you can also comment on the Chai FM Facebook page. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Okay, so a lot of interaction happening over here on multiple platforms, by the way. I think if there's one thing that we have learned how to do in this modern world, it is multitask. Whether we get it right or wrong, I don't know. And I'm not even sure if this multitasking is actually working so well. So here it is. We're on Fresh Thinking on Chai FM, running the same thing live on Facebook, interacting via 
Twitter, via Facebook Live, on uh, SMS. <laughs> there are a whole lot of different platforms. And, and it's wonderful because it just gives the, this incredible opportunity to interact with people and to have a conversation. And that's what's wonderful is when you can have a conversation. In spite of the fact that some of us are in some form of lockdown or whatever, we're having a conversation, we're connecting, and that's great. So perhaps it's exactly in this context that everybody's saying it will be okay. It will be okay. I mean, people we know are on life support right now, but it will be okay. You've got to be so careful with that. People we know are going through personal trauma, things in their lives that are so difficult that I promise you now none of us would want to have on our plate. I don't know how comfortably we can just turn around to somebody else and say, don't worry, it will be okay. number of people saying similar things, by the way. number of people are saying that it depends on how it is said. Here's somebody else who says it depends on the tone and the confidence with which they say it. That's interesting because tone obviously tells us straight away that they care about you or they don't care about you. Whereas confidence, confidence probably tells you how much they believe in you or in the, the possible good outcome of this situation. So that's interesting in its own right, the confidence. Uh, here's Ron on Twitter who says a similar thing. It depends who the people are. So it's not necessarily about the tone and intonation as much as who are these people and why are they speaking to you in this particular way. And, of course, it makes a huge difference. There are certain things that close relationships allow to be said that are completely out of line in a different conversation. And maybe it's not only a close relationship. Maybe it's sometimes when you know that a person has been through something similar to what you've been through and you know that they can be empathetic. So that, that's wonderful. That helps you. That's something which is encouraging and something which is uh, positive. So good point. Uh, here's Jason who says, and this is very important, very important. He says, not everybody is a psychologist and not everybody is an expert to know what to say. And, and in other words, cut people some slack. There, there is, of course, how we feel. And when we're going through difficult times and somebody sounds as if they're dismissive, maybe our response is also a little bit unfair. Maybe our expectation from those people is a little bit unfair. They don't necessarily have the skills. So that's a really good point that Jason says. He says it's the same as when you go into a mourner's home and you don't know what to say. Okay, it's a good point. And unfortunately, when people don't know what to say, very often people don't realize that it's okay not to say anything at all. You really care about somebody. You can be in their space and you can hold them, even without holding or touching them physically, but you can hold them emotionally just by being, not necessarily by saying. So that's a very good point. I've often argued that we should have a handbook for people who go on shiva calls. So when you go to a person's house, when they're in mourning, there should be a guide these things are acceptable practice. These things are not what you should say. And if you don't say anything, that would be like the, to me, the headline would be, if you don't say anything at all, that's fine. Let the people who are grieving lead the process. And if they're not in the mood of speaking, you don't have to jump in. And, and, and I'm using the example of grieving, but the truth is it's any kind of emo emotional turmoil that somebody's going through. You don't have to say anything, actually. The most valuable thing you can do for somebody is to listen to them and to actually hear what they're going through and, and try it as best you can to be sympathetic or ideally even empathetic. Uh, here's uh, Leanne saying a similar thing. Depends if a person is saying something in a formulistic, formulaic way. That's the language she used. Formulaic. And I would say, this is the formula. It's what we say. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Or if you actually have confidence and you have knowledge of the situation. 
I think that's so true. You know, we often say things again because we're uncomfortable and we don't know exactly how we're supposed to respond and we want to try and help the person and put their, their, their mind at ease. So that's why we say these things. But if you don't actually know what you're talking about, it could do more damage than good. I'll tell you an interesting story that actually happened to us. We had a, a medical situation with our youngest and the, the rest of the children were very traumatized. So we took them for a family group therapy experience. And in the course of the group therapy, one of the things that the therapist said is, just because you had this acute incident, this strange outlier medical incident, does not mean that it's going to happen again, which is a fair thing to say. It's an absolutely fair thing to say, except that three days later, we had another episode. And the kids were so traumatized and this time refused to go back to have that therapy because, but, but you promised me, because that's how they interpreted it. You, you told me it was going to be okay. You told me that everything was going to work out. You told me that just because it happened in the past does not mean it's going to happen again. So it's, it's really important to actually know what you're talking about and not to make the mistake of promising something that may or may not actually come to be. It reminds me of the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, the Ethics of the Fathers, where the great sage Shammai says, Emor ma'at va'asei harbei. Speak little and do much. It's more likely that you'll mess up with what you say than that you'll mess up in what you do. So, for example, if a person says, I think things are going to be good and you're strong and you can get through this and so on, all that kind of stuff. Well, again, it depends who the person is. If they have credibility, if you have that level of relationship, it could be the most empowering thing ever. But if not, it could sound very dismissive. It could sound very insensitive. And if you would actually do something on their behalf, buy them something, do a grocery shop, pick up the kids from school, something like that, just take some of the load off from them. That would be a lot more meaningful than the words that we try to say because we do. We always try to say words in the hope that those words will make all the difference. Sometimes they do. Unfortunately, oftentimes they don't. Here's, uh, here's somebody on Twitter who says that he would feel diminished. Diminished. He says, although it is the truth that everything will be okay, sometimes I just think we should cushion the truth a little bit. Or am I being too fragile? What do you think about that? There's an interesting one. Am I being too fragile if I feel that we need to cushion the truth a little bit? You know, tell people, okay, it is going to be okay, even if it's not necessarily going to be okay. It's an interesting point. Interesting perspective. Is it valid to make, because I've just said unequivocally, maybe I'm wrong. I said that if you cannot guarantee, if you're not sure, you don't have that information, best you don't say anything. Best you don't make that promise to somebody because who knows what happens or what the fallout will be if that promise does not come to fruition. And here's somebody on Twitter saying, hang on a second, maybe that is exactly what we need to do. Maybe not everybody can handle what is coming their way and they need that reassurance to give them the wherewithal to be able to get through what they're getting through. Who knows? It's an interesting point. Something to be said for that perspective. Um, here's Shoshana who says that she would feel a little better and comforted if a person says everything's going to be okay. Whereas Ilana says they disregard the reality that my emotions are real for me. Okay. Or she says you could be relieved depending on the context. I think that's the one thing we've got to be so careful about. There's, uh, I just, quoted the story of of Shammai, the great sage Shammai. Well, it's not the story, the teaching that he says, speak little and do much. He had a colleague, very famous colleague, Hillel. Hillel was a great Jewish leader. 
And Hillel, as you I'm sure know the story, was approached once by a convert who said, teach me the whole Torah as I stand here on one foot. And he said, Hillel said, what you would hate somebody to do to you, do not do to somebody else. The rest is commentary. Let's think about that for a second. In this context of telling somebody everything is going to be okay, what would you like to be said to you? If you were going through a difficult period, God forbid, what would you want to hear? That's interesting. What would you personally want to hear? What would be most comforting to you? You can send her an SMS on 34519 or a Telegram message on 061-895-1019. Or you can join the conversation on Facebook, Facebook Live, the Chai FM Facebook page, or at Rabbi Shish and at Chai FM on Twitter. What would you like to hear if you, God forbid, were going through a difficult time. Discam Linksfield has opened a magnificent new store in the neighborhood complex in Linksfield. That's the corner of Sivan and Club Street. It's a full-line Discam store, which means that in addition to your meds, supplements, hygiene, and health foods, Discam Linksfield has a wellness and a well-baby clinic. There's ample free parking, and remember, Discam also do free delivery. That's Discam Linksfield, pharmacists who care. If you have just joined us, this is Fresh Thinking on High FM, and you're with Rabbi Shishla till the top of the hour, talking today about what happens to you when somebody says, in a time of difficulty, everything is going to be okay. And we've got quite a number of messages, which means that this is something I think that talks to people, because unfortunately, like it or not, everybody, as they say in Yiddish, has their peckle. Everybody has their load that they're carrying. Everybody has their particular challenge right now. And don't dismiss their challenge just because possibly your challenge is less intense. In fact, I had exactly that conversation recently with somebody when I was talking about an individual who had gone through a particular episode. And this person said, oh, well, that's, no that's nothing compared to what I've been through. I'm like, what? I'm glad you're saying it to me, not to them. Never say that to somebody else. Never dismiss it's real for them. That's what they're going through. So my question to you was, Hillel, the great sage, teaches us that what you would hate done to you, you should never do to somebody else. That's the basis of Torah, and everything else is commentary. So the, the flip side, the corollary of that is, what you would like done to you is what you should do to somebody else. So if you don't like the expression, everything's going to be okay, what is the expression? What would you like to hear? Jody says, I am here for you. That's very powerful, by the way. It's very powerful. By the way, it's a lot more powerful than people who say, I know what you're going through. Ooh, don't say that. You don't know what I'm going through. You and I might go through an identical experience, and we will not have an identical version of that experience because we're different. Like the Talmud says, just as everybody has a different face, everybody has a different mental makeup. What works for you doesn't work for me. What talks to you doesn't talk to me. What affects you doesn't affect me. So if two people go through the identical process, they do not have remotely similar experiences. So this, I know what you're going through, mm-mm, don't. But to say I'm here for you, that's powerful. Because that essentially says the power is in your hands. I'm here and you tell me what you need from me. Tell me if you want reassurance. Tell me if you just want a listening ear. Tell me if you want me to do errands. Tell me if you want me to just disappear <laughs> for a period of time. That's, that's powerful. When a person says, 
I'm here for you. That indicates that they, they actually want to hear your side of the story. And I think that that is the point. That is the point. One of the most powerful lessons that you can ever learn in Judaism is the concept of communication as it is taught in Torah. Because everybody will tell you about communication all of the time. Communication is the key to relationships. And communication is the key to leadership. And communication is what you need to have to be a good parent. And communication is what you need to have in the media. Everybody will tell you about communication and they're communication experts. And you can do courses and you can learn how to be an incredible communicator. And you know what? It actually doesn't necessarily mean one thing. To the next person. You could be eloquent. You could use all the right terminology. You could have the best lessons. And you could actually follow those lessons. And it doesn't mean a thing necessarily to the person on the other side. Because the Torah tells us that the key to communication is something that very often people completely overlook. And that's why we're getting such a range of, of opinions over here. Shireen says, if somebody tells you everything's going to be okay, she'll feel better. Mark says he'd feel okay. Lana says she would feel invalidated. Interesting. And that's the diversity. I'm absolutely sure that this is based on experience. I'm telling you now, people who have had a bad experience, people who have had dismissive, ah, it's all going to be okay. What are you so worried? What are you so worried about? Terrible, terrible thing to say, right? Those are the people I think who are going to tell you. They don't feel great. Maureen says she'd feel angry. They have no idea of the circumstances. I actually spoke to somebody who I'm very close to just before the show. And I asked them this question. I said, well, what would you feel if somebody said everything's going to be okay? And they responded, I would feel that they have no idea of what we're dealing with. No idea what we're dealing with. And I think that is true for so many people. If you can just give me a one-liner, you obviously don't understand the magnitude of the issue. And that's sad. So what is communication from a Torah perspective? This is great. I love this. Jonathan here on, on, um, on Facebook, who in response to the question, <laughs> what would, you, what do you think or what do you feel when somebody says everything's going to be okay? Just inserted an image, a screen grab of the dictionary definition of the word platitude. That's great. That's fantastic. Because that's exactly exactly what it is unfortunately a lot of the time is it's just a platitude i'm actually trying to feel better not to make you feel better i need me to feel better and that's the problem with what we call communication you see and i agree judy says that people mean well we're not criticizing people over here i think people do mean well absolutely they mean well it's just that people are not trained well and that's our responsibility each one of us because we have children and we have people in our sphere of influence and we can train them better. So from a Torah perspective, what is the goal of communication? Is it to speak clearly? Is it to speak eloquently? Perhaps that might be part of it. But it's something totally different to that. You know, the Talmud tells a story that there was a very great sage by the name of Rava. One of the greatest Talmudic sages. And he could give, you can imagine what level of a lecture he would give on a daily basis because his students were the greatest rabbis of that period. So if that's the audience, if that's who you're talking to, you can only imagine what altitude he flew at. And it says in the Talmud that Rava, before he began, he began his class every single day, he would share what is called Milsa Dividichasa. 
Now, the direct translation, the easiest translation of that is a joke. And maybe that's why rabbis get up and they make a joke at the beginning of the sermon. Although, to be perfectly honest, let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about rabbis. That's more comfortable, right? Talk about our own issues and our own insecurities. Not so comfortable. Not everybody likes to talk about it. Although, I must say, a lot of you have come forward and, and there's still quite a number of messages I haven't even gotten to, which is fantastic. But speak about the rabbis. That's nice. Everybody's quite happy to, to blame the rabbis for something or other. So you get rabbis who get up and they tell a joke at the beginning of the sermon. Why? Because that's what everybody told them you're supposed to do. Start with a joke, which is terrible advice, incidentally. Because if you don't know how to tell a joke, never start with a joke. There is nothing more off-putting at the beginning of a talk than to hear somebody who uses this stock joke that they have no... And if you live in the modern world, there's an incredibly good chance that the same internet you got the joke from, half your community reads too. They probably all belong to the same WhatsApp groups. Don't tell a joke to everybody. So why does Rubber tell this Milsa Divedichosa, which could mean a joke, it could also mean something of casual conversation, right at the beginning of his class? What's his objective? And the Talmud goes so far as to say that the rabbis would laugh. So that tells you that he obviously... Told a good joke, because the rabbis laughed. What, what do you think is the point? Why would you want a joke at the beginning of a serious lecture? Interesting question, right? Love to hear if you've got an insight or a thought on that. 34519, that's the SMS line. And uh, most popular today is Twitter and Facebook. So, at FM and at Rabbi Shish, I can't promise we'll get through all of the comments, but there are some really great ones. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So uh, we're talking today about what happens when a person tells you everything's going to be okay. How do you feel? Uh, and it's it's so interesting because the responses are really, really diverse. Um, maybe I'll just share a couple of others with you. Here's uh, Leah on Twitter who says, um, if it's a big deal for me, then it's probably an internal battle not to get upset with the people and to understand that uh, I should give them the benefit of the doubt. They just want me to feel better. Uh, a raspberry, that's an interesting one on Twitter, says uh, it's a common phrase and it's just a phrase, right? Everything's going to be okay. In other words, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. Could be worse, could be better. Here on Facebook, uh, a couple of very interesting ones. Neville says it's like telling somebody who has a broken heart, don't worry, there are plenty of fish in the sea. Ouch. That is so insensitive. Oh, my goodness. Um Here's somebody else who says, it makes me feel like, do you really care? So I I was uh, using this as an opportunity to talk a little bit about interaction and communication. Because ultimately what a person wants to do when they tell you everything's going to be okay, what they want to do is they want to communicate that they care about you, that they hope that things are going to get better, that they believe in you or anything like that. And of course, you could very well take it the wrong way. So what is communication? And I've just told you the story of this great Talmudic sage who always made sure to tell something at the beginning, something humorous at the beginning of his lesson, but he made sure that the people laughed. That's the key. You hear this? He doesn't just tell them a joke. He makes sure that they laugh. So I asked you the question, why? Why is it relevant to be humorous at the beginning of what's actually a very serious lecture? Because these lectures were very deep and profound. So Alexa says here on Facebook, it's to bring ease to a serious lesson. As teachers, 
You're ta- taught to start a class with a game or a warm-up to get the learners to rid their everyday thoughts and try to focus on what is to come, which is true, by the way. You cannot expect that people just walk through the door and, like this, they're tuned in. doesn't happen. So it's true. You have to provide a platform of moving in, warming up, getting into the class. There's something else as well. You have to know that you are plugged into the crowd. I remember once upon a time, long ago, some of you probably don't even remember this, there was something called a dial-up modem. Who remembers a dial-up modem? Remember the dial-up modem? <laughs> Waiting for the internet to start was kind of like warming an old car on a winter's morning. And you must make that pinging sound, right, as the, as the dial-up modem was starting to work. I often feel that human connection is a dial-up modem. We have very unique relationships which are full fiber connection, but most of them are dial-up, which means you've got to ping the person. Are you there? Are you with me? Are we connecting? And what that means is not just, you know, the, the, one of the most horrible things you could ever do to say, hello, are you listening? <laughs> you know what that tells me? If I've got to do that, I've lost you. And we're obviously not connected. We're not obviously not uploading, downloading over here. We're not pinging each other. That's why I've got to kind of rattle your cage. So the rabbi gets up at the beginning of his talk and he says something, something humorous or something mundane or something of contemporary events and he watches for a response from the people. Once he knows that they are responding, then he knows that he is in their world. That's communication. Communication is to enter the other person's world. We make the mistake of thinking the greatest speeches in history are the greatest examples of communication. No, they're not. Not necessarily. Some of them are just that, brilliant speeches, soliloquies, where you see the greatness of the individual. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they get through to who's listening on the other side. The greatness of communication is to get into the world of the other. And until you're in that world, you're not communicating. You're talking, but you're not communicating. Communication comes, and this is a fundamental teaching of Judaism, Communication is predicated on major humility. If a person walks into a situation and says, I am going to communicate with you, just close your eyes for a minute and picture yourself on the other end of that, of that attack. I'm not going to call it an attack. How are you going to feel? I am going to tell you. Oh, really? You're going to see my defenses go up in a way that you have never seen. It's going to make the Iron Dome look like nothing. Nobody wants to be told what to do, how to think, what should happen. But if somebody walks into your space and they show a genuine interest in your world, what's going on in your world? What do you care about? Rather than using that stock joke from the internet, what happens if you get up and you actually speak about something that is relevant in people's lives? And that's how you launch the conversation. Whether it be something global, whether it be something communal, whether it be something personal. You know what the community is going through. You know what your audience is going through. You know what's happening in the kids' lives when they're in your classroom. And you connect to them personally. You show, you indicate that your stuff is important to me. Then you can talk. Then you can really communicate. And that might be a an unusual 
uncomfortable place for a person to be. I, I don't know about going into your world. I know my world, and I'm comfortable in my world. And that's why I want to tell you everything's going to be okay, because in my world, I need everything to be okay. That's what talks to me. If you're that kind of a person who needs to hear that reassurance because perhaps you are naturally less secure, naturally less optimistic, and you appreciate the input of somebody who says, it's okay, I can reassure you, things will be good and fantastic. Then that's the best community. And that's why it's so interesting that you could say the responses have been almost 50-50. Those who said that they would feel ignored, that would they would feel that uh, they've been rejected, you know, and then you have those people who say, this would be the best thing ever. It's exactly what I need to hear. It's not, there is no right or wrong to this conversation. There is only the humility of the communicator to say, let this conversation not be about me or what would talk to me or what I need to be able to say, to feel that I've done something right. Let this conversation be about you. Quite a few SMSs that have just come through. Um, it seems that they were a little bit delayed, possibly. Um, so here's an SMS that says, Life is not an easy ride. This is Bernice. Life is not an easy ride. Usually where there's a down, an up will follow. As one door closes, another will open. And I think that's a fantastic attitude, incidentally. I believe this is the kind of attitude that we should adopt. I believe very strongly that as Jewish people, we are supposed to, under all circumstances, and in spite of what the challenges are, we should always push ourselves to look up to lift our chins, su'u maroi menechem, as the verse says in, in the verse, uh, te, uh, not in Tehillim. Su'u maroi menechem, lift up your eyes, isn't Tehillim. Lift up your eyes. That's how we should, that's how we should think. That's how we should look. We should always look upward and onward. Absolutely. But can I tell that to somebody else? If they're not ready to hear it? If it's not necessarily their reality? There's somebody who sent a message on Facebook. If someone says to me, everything will be okay, my answer is, of course. Hashem is in control. Yes, brilliant, beautiful for yourself. But you can't stick that into somebody else's reality until you know where they live. The key is not what to say. The key is how do I get to know what they care about, how they feel, what their worries are, what will reassure them. That's where the conversation actually should come from. Lots of other messages coming through. We'll come back to those in just a moment. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Brian would like to know on SMS, how does emuna fit in? Emuna meaning obviously trust in Hashem and faith in Hashem. I think that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what all of this is, is based on. You see, if I'm going through a difficult time, then my responsibility is to develop a sense of faith in God. My responsibility is to trust that God will make things right. Not just that he knows what he's doing and whatever he chooses is going to be best for me. Whatever I need to happen that is good, I trust that God will do it. That's my work. When somebody else is in trouble, the same faith that I have tells me that God in his great magnificent plan chose for me to know that that person is in distress because I should then try and help them. Not, not preach to them, not tell them deep philosophical concepts, unless I know that that's where they live and unless I know that they know that I care about them. My primary reason for being shown this particular scenario is because Hashem believes that I can help that person. 
I can never help somebody on my own terms. That's not called help. That's called settling my own conscience. <laughs> and unfortunately, sometimes that's really what we look to do. I would like to settle my own conscience. I'm worried about the fact of what's going to happen if I don't say something. What if I don't reassure them? What if I leave this conversation and they don't feel better? So this is a time of the year where we commemorate all of the terrible things that happened in Jewish history. And throughout those terrible things, we had great Jewish leaders who told us that things would be okay. They told us not only that it would be okay, but they told us that what we were going through was actually something positive in the making. You know, like, for example, when you're bashing down a wall in your house and it might look all terrible and disgusting and broken and dusty, but you know that you're renovating and the house is going to be better on the other end. We are often a work in progress. And things happen to us in our lives that are really uncomfortable, but they will emerge afterwards as having been a good journey. That's my personal work. This is the time of the year also when we're told that more than any other time of the year, we have to look out for the next person. The reason the temple was destroyed, which is why this is a period of mourning, was because people mistreated each other. And you know what it means that they mistreated each other? It doesn't necessarily mean that they hated each other's guts, although there was that kind of behavior as well. You know what it means? They didn't give people the credibility or the opportunity to be them. They didn't allow themselves to hear where somebody else lives or where they're coming from and to provide for them in the context of what they actually needed right now. This is the time of the year when we're supposed to get better at that, become more empathetic, less concerned about ourselves and what people are going to think of us and will they feel that we were there to rescue them at a time of need, but rather to actually help, to actually reach out and help the next person. And the way to do that is to let go, to let go a little bit of what I think is right, to let go a little bit of the wisdom that I believe I have, to let go a little bit of all the wonderful things that work for me which might be completely irrelevant to you. This is the time of the year to pause and hear what somebody's actually saying, how they're expressing what they really are feeling, and to be with them in that experience. And then when the opportunity arises and you feel that there is enough connection and you can tell that there's a mutual trust and care and concern between you, maybe then, maybe then you could start to tell them how you think it's going to work out. Let people rather feel held then feel that they've been promised reassurance. There's no question about it, that when we step out of our own comfort zone to help somebody else, Hashem, who always treats us measure for measure, will step out to please God help us. And we'll have the comfort and the broker that we need in our lives. And more than anything else, at this time of the year, which is the time of the greatest potential for Moshiach, let's hope, please God, to see Moshiach in this time. I want to say a special thank you. It's been amazing. I did not get to all the messages. Thank you for all the interaction. It's fantastic and wonderful. Please, God, this time next week, if you have a topic that you'd like to discuss, by all means, share it with us. 34519 via Telegram on 0618951019 here on Facebook Live or on Twitter at KaiFM at Rabashish. Always keen to hear new topics that we could use on Fresh Thinking. Have a wonderful rest of the week. A good Shabbos. Stay safe. And stay sane.